All right, thank you so much. If we'll take our Bibles, let's open up to uh, Acts chapter number three. Acts chapter number three, and grateful to have Pastor Scott back in California after his time uh, being an evangelist, and appreciate his friendship as well. Appreciate the messages this morning and how God spoke to our hearts. I know that lunch is coming soon, and, uh, but I'll have something I want to share with you I think will encourage us this morning. Acts chapter number 3, please. We're going to read verses, number one, verses uh, 1 to 12. Acts chapter number 3, verses 1 to 12. This story, of course, we know well. Now Peter and John went up together into the temple at the hour of prayer, being the ninth hour. And a certain man, lame from his mother's womb, was carried, whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple, which is called Beautiful, to ask alms of them that entered into the temple, who, seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple, ask an alms. And Peter, fastening his eyes upon him with John, said, Look on us. And he gave heed unto them, expecting to receive something of them. Then Peter said, Silver and gold have I none. But such as I have give I thee, in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And he took him by the right hand and lifted him up. And immediately his feet and ankle bones received strength. And he, leaping up, stood and walked and entered with them into the temple, walking and leaping and praising God. And all the people saw him walking and praising God, and they knew it was he which sat for alms at the beautiful gate of the temple, and they were filled with wonder and amazement at that which happened unto him. And as the lame man which was healed held Peter and John, all the people ran together unto them in the porch that is called Solomon's, greatly wondering. And when Peter saw it, he answered unto the people, ye men of Israel, why marvel ye at this, or why look you so earnestly on us? as though by our own power or holiness we had made this man to walk. Let's pray this morning. Father, I pray that you'd bless us in these few minutes we have. I just pray as we give this a brief encouragement, Lord, that you would speak to our hearts as you've already spoken to us this morning. I pray that you would challenge us and encourage us in this specific area I will mention this morning. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Of course, uh, the theme, the theme this, uh, for the conference is recalibrate. Recalibrate means, really in my mind, it means we're making adjustments to get back to the standard we're supposed to be to. Uh, it's easy for us, you know, prone to wander and our hearts wander. It's, it's easy for us to get off, offline a little bit sometimes. And what God wants us to do is to get recalibrated, get back to the standard. And of course, the standard is His Word. And so this morning, I want to share thought on, on, on one thing. Of course, we understand that the great commandment that the Lord gave us is, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, thy mind, thy soul. And uh, one thing will never be recalibrated in any area of our life if that's not right. It all starts with that. If, if, we're, not, if we're not spot on in our relationship with God and growing and seeking Him, as we heard in the past session, uh, we're going to struggle in a lot of different areas. But sometimes, and I want to come on behalf of the other half of the, of the uh, uh, great commandment. Jesus, he was asked for one. What's the great commandment? And he gave two. Amen. 
The second's like unto it. Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. Of course, the book of James calls that the royal law. And so as we are recalibrating our lives and we're constantly staying in fellowship with our God and loving him the way he wants us to love him, we cannot forget those that need him. We cannot forget loving those who we are supposed to love and those we are supposed to reach. And I want to share a thought. Give me a second as I develop it, and uh, I'll let you know where I'm going with this. But as a young man, I got saved later on. I got saved in high school, and, and uh, I actually dropped out of high school. I had my issues. But then about 17, 18, I got right with God. I started going to a good church. And I started growing in my faith, and, and I like to read biographies. I wanted to read, and I, I've always been a reader, and I, I went to the Christian bookstore by our house, and, and I, went, I, I got in the biography section, and believe it or not, that, that Christian bookstore actually had, uh, they had a, a biography of D.L. Moody. And I remember reading that and just reading of all the great things that God used him to reach thousands of, upon thousands for Christ. I went back. They actually had another book about uh, a biography about um, um, R.A. Torrey. And I read about R.A. Torrey. And I've read many, many of these different ones throughout my life. And I think of these great men, and, and we think of them. I've read the, uh, uh, George Mueller. I've read about uh, Jonathan Goforth, a tremendous, uh, a tremendous missionary. And, and I read all these, and I thought about the, the people that they reached. And as a young man, you know, you, you know you, you, you're not thinking it through. You have the, I want to do that too. And I want to I be used of God to reach, to reach thousands of people. Sometimes our spirit's not right with that. But I think my heart was right with that. But before I look at the story, I want us to look at and just point out a few things. I don't want to be really long. I want us to, to, to look back at Acts chapter 2 for a second. Turn, turn, flip your page to Acts chapter 2 and verse 38. Because sometimes as we think of all these stories, and we think of the, 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 what we would call the great success, is, is that all there is to it? I want us to see this. Let's look at Acts chapter number 2 and verse 38. We know this well. Uh, verse 38, Then Peter said unto them, he's preaching at Pentecost, Repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. And ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. For the promise is unto you and to your children and to all that are far off, even as many as call upon the, as many as the Lord our God shall call. And with many other words did he testify and exhort, saying, Save yourselves from this untowards generation. Here's the verse we love. And they that gladly received his word were baptized. And the same day there were added unto them about 3,000 souls. You imagine that. He preaches this message. They not only receive the message, they receive Christ. They get baptized and then they join that group of believers there, that church there, as it were. Verse 42, And they continu continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine, in fellowship, and in breaking of bread, in prayer. Now, I don't know about you. I would have loved to have seen that. I would have loved to have been a part of that and see this great host that was there for Pentecost, heard the message, fell under the conviction of God's Holy Spirit, and they get saved. They get baptized. And they're added unto the church. 
Anybody who's a pastor in here, we would love to have 3,000 people saved and added to the church in one day. There's only one thing that would be better than that if they all asked for tithing envelopes, right? It's like, hey, come on, bring it in. But as we think of this great, great story, and we think about success, and by the way, I love the, the, mention, the mention of Peter here. That's just 50 days after Peter denied that he even knew the Lord Jesus Christ. To think that 50 days after that, here is God using him in this tremendous way. But now we come to chapter 3. They're coming off what most of us would consider a spiritual high. I mean, you know, we've all had them, right? You, you have a special day in your church. Every year we have Friend Day. And we just encourage our folks, everybody, bring someone with you. And they'll bring their friends and people will get saved. We have lots of people in our church that were reached on our Friend Day. But there's other days. And it's not a big day, it's just church. People are there. And so if we're not careful, we get so caught up in the, the highs we miss the opportunities that are set just right before us. And so here they are, coming off that spiritual high. And these are the early days of the church. Christ had just ascended. He had, given them, he had left them with a command to witness in their area and to get the gospel to the whole world in Acts chapter 1, verse 8. But here they are, coming off of that great day. And now they're going to the temple at the time of prayer. Peter and John. And while they're there, they meet a person in need, a man who can't even walk. He's begging, hoping for some type of financial gain. Of course, they didn't give him that. They gave him something far, far, far greater, the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, let us compare these two passages for a minute. In Acts chapter 2, we see that thousands are present. The word is preached. People fall under conviction. They're saved and thousands join the church. But in Acts chapter 3, one man is spoken to. One man is helped. One man is reached. I guess if we thought about this in a warped way, we can look at it and say, yeah, but, you know, just the other day, it was 3,000 and it's just this one. But is that really how we should think? A while ago, as I was reading these verses, I just thought about it. We want Pentecost, but what about the temple? We want the thousands, but what about the individual? I don't know about you, but each and every day as we live our life, I'm not walking by a group of thousands that want to talk to me. But I'll run into the one. And so, yes, I want to reach everybody I can. But you focus on the one. Amen. There are people out there that need to be reached. Amen. Do we not understand that, that, that the multitudes are reached typically one at a time? Amen. You know, I think about our church. I think about our pastor. I'm saved because he, he brought me, uh, our founding pastor, because he brought me to churches after he got saved as a teenager. But I'm thinking, he started our church, and he got that thing off the ground, and he put in the work, and I'm thinking, you know how he got saved? 
When we were unsaved teenagers, there was an apartment complex up on the corner of Cherry and South Street in Long Beach, and, and we would go hang out there with our buddies. And one day he went to hang out. There was just, that was like the hangout. And I didn't go that day, and he went that day, and there was a, a man there, went into the apartment complex, gathered the teenagers, and just street preached to them. I don't know if very many got saved, but he got saved that day. And, and he probably doesn't even know to this day. He may have thought, well, we just went out there. Maybe we had one saved. Maybe we had two saved. I, I preached the word. I gave the truth. And he probably doesn't even know this side of eternity that one of those young men would go one day to start a church in the same city where he preached the gospel that many years ago. The one individual, the one man. I think God wants us to help people too. And, and if we're going to recalibrate to be right with the Lord, which we all need to regularly every single day, we also need to love people the way Jesus loves people. And, and, and let's not look at how many. Let's look, is there one? Is there somebody? Is there the temple where we can reach somebody? But as we look at that, I want us to notice a couple things that will help us. What does it take for us to make a difference in the life of an individual. Well, I think first, I think there, there has to be some power of just the way we live, the power of our life. God, and by the way, God wants to use us. That always boggles my mind. Why would God want to use anybody? But yet he does. You read the verses, many of the verses of salvation talk about serving him and doing works right afterwards. You look at Ephesians chapter 2, 8 and 9, you know, by grace are you saved through faith, all that. But at the next verse says, you're his workmanship and we're ordained unto good works. He wants to use us and he, I have no idea why, but we need to be available. And our life is part of that. Understand this. God, that you cannot detest, detach the message from the messenger. Now, now, sometimes God uses us outside of ourselves, but we ought to work to be the kind of person that can be used. And I understand that God would use anybody. I, I mean, if you're a pastor, you understand. You, you stand there at church and people are there like, I wouldn't come. Why are you here? If, I, if you knew me like I knew me, then again, if I knew them like they knew them. But, but it's like God wants to. But we have to have the power of our life. We should have a life of spirituality. Verse 1, now Peter and John went up to the temple, together to the temple, the hour of prayer. They were just going there. It was just what they were doing. They didn't necessarily go, but in the course of doing what they should be doing, there's a guy. And he came to them. And there was an opportunity that was there. God will use us. We can only help others spiritually, though, if we ourselves are being spiritually helped. And I understand sometimes as we're growing in our faith and we're going forward, God does use us. But God wants us to continue on that path. It's like the Timothy principle in 2 Timothy 2, 2. Paul told Timothy, and the things that thou hast heard of me, among many witnesses, the same commit thou to faithful men. And then they'll give that to others. You see, what God is doing in my life is just an opportunity for me to use that as an extension for somebody else's life. Yeah, 
And it's a blessing that God works in our life. It's a blessing that God teaches us, and he teaches us truths, and he works in our life. But, but as we do that, let's not keep it to ourselves. Let's share it with others. Let's say, Lord, who can you allow me to be a blessing? But we've got to get something out of it. We have to have spirituality. Take an inventory of your life. How are we doing? And by the way, let me say this. We can always be doing better. By, by the way, don't get down on yourself. Sometimes we get down on ourselves. Like, man, I wish, just keep going forward. Keep, keep letting God work in your life. Keep letting, keep letting God do something. But we have to have that life. It's a life of spirituality. And then next, it's a life of seeing. Verse 2, verse 4. And Peter, fastening his eyes upon him with John, said, look on us. He focused in on him. We have to be very careful in the days in which we live. It is so easy to see people and see the wrong things. We live in such a politically charged time. And it's easy to look at the person and say, you know, why are they in that situation? Uh, you know, and, and I get it, you know, the, if they would just do this. And they, but wait a minute. Isn't that someone the Lord wants to reach? I mean, look, I can look at myself. I didn't grow up in a Christian home or any of that stuff. You would have saw me earlier. You would have thought, what's that kid doing? He's just a rebel. He's just a troublemaker. But yet, I needed the Lord. But if we're not seeing them, we need to be very, very, very careful. So often we see an area where we can help, but we don't do it. I remember one time we were going home from church, my wife and I and our kids were smaller and, and we're driving and we came to one of the major intersections that we go to our house and it was one of these like, you know, two main streets but also had a diagonal street. So it was, you know, one of those dangerous things. And I'm sitting in the car and my wife's next to me and uh, there was a guy is in the middle of the, of the middle of the whole thing. His car had died or something. I think he was trying to push to the side and I'm, you know, I'm in Dada land. I'm just like, all right, we'll get home and eat lunch. And my wife just very kindly said, you know, probably be a blessing if you got out and helped him push his car. And I'm like, that was your suggestion. Why don't you do it? I'm driving. And I'm like, this probably is a good idea. So you drive, I'll hop out and get killed, okay? But, but how often do we do that spiritually? Sure. Well, we have a homeless problem. And I get it. I understand the drugs and the crime and all that. But, but do we understand that there's a need there? There's a reason Many of them are out there. Like we see people sometimes, it's like, that person would never listen. I was, I was, uh, our parking lot was being remodeled one time, so I was parking off-site, and I walk in a block and a half to the church and, um, early in the morning, and this guy was going by, and he passed by me quickly, and, and, and he was all tatted up, and he looked like someone you did not mess with. And I, you know, you, oh, this guy. And I didn't say anything, and then as I'm walking... He goes, hey, <laughs> you listen to that. Like, and he came up to me, he goes, hey, you from that church over there? I'm well, actually, I'm the pastor. He's like, would you pray for me? I just got out of prison. I lost my family. And here I am thinking, there's just some guy going down the street. They're out there. And I, and I understand if we're all honest about it, we're guilty of that sometimes. The person you think, hey, they won't take a track, sometimes the other person will take it more readily. We have to see this world. See, we see this world, and I understand it. It is so easy to be negative. 
We live in the end times, and I believe we do live in the end times. We live in a period of darkness, and I believe we live in a period of darkness. And I don't, and it's so easy to look like, hey, our, our, our nation's just circling the drain. But you know what I'm finding? The more it circles the drain, the more people are co- becoming open. We listen to the news too much. We think everybody hates God. Most of them don't know what's going on. Most of them are like us. They're looking around and they're confused at what's going on in our society. And yet we see them from a, a, a political perspective. Go knock on the doors. You'll see. They're as confused as any unsafe person would be. You say, yeah, but the way they're acting. I know. Unsafe people act like unsafe people. That shouldn't shock us. But we have to keep our eyes open. Also, there needs to be a willingness to sacrifice. Verse 6, and Peter said, silver and gold have I none. And, we, and I know we joke around and say that's how we know he's a Baptist. He had no money. But have you ever thought of this? Peter was a businessman before. He was a fisherman. And Jesus said, no more of that. Follow me. And he forsook it. And so he was willing to sacrifice, to follow Christ for the very purpose of being ready when Christ left to get the gospel out. He had to be willing to sacrifice to answer God's call. Now maybe God's not calling you to sacrifice your business or something of that. He does call us to give up our time. But, But listen to me, young people. God wants to use many of you in a greater way than even you would imagine. And, I, and I'm not the type to try to call people that God has not called. If someone comes to my office and says, you know, I think maybe God might be calling me to be a missionary, I'll applaud that and I'll encourage them, but I'm not going to be the one that's, you better find out that's from God. But let me say this, if that's of God, don't you give it up for anything. You won't be happy in anything else. And and we need to, young people, we need to quit looking around at what the world's doing. We need to quit listening to our friends who maybe are a little cooler in their Christianity, and I mean by cold, and we're allowing them to push us in a certain direction. Let's be open to God. And, and, And so back to this now. But a life of sacrifice. He was willing, willing to give up to follow Christ, and now he had these opportunities. Are we willing to live a life of sacrifice? What would God ask you to give up? I mean, we we think we're martyrs if we give up a few hours to go soul winning. But sometimes we need to to be willing to step aside and give a little time. Also a life of selflessness. selflessness. Look at verse 6 again. He said, but such as I have, give I thee. And I understand that he's he's giving the gospel and I get all that. But sometimes we do need to give of ourselves. See, we're really good at giving spiritual. But sometimes, to be honest with you, people need physical things. And, 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 and I know, I get it. Our, where our church is, in that area, we get people and they're at, they, think, you know, they think that church is spelled A-T-M. Right? They want to come in, they want you to give everything. And so our, our gear's up sometimes. But you know, people just need us to help them so we can get them on a spiritual path. 
The Christian life is a sharing life. It's something that we just do. And let me just say this. Have you ever had anybody over your house to encourage them spiritually? Have you ever done anything over and above? We have to be willing to be selfless. In the early days of our church, just all of them would come. Uh, we were a, a Cambodian church, and I had a warped philosophy. I had this philosophy that I don't know where I got it from, that, you know, your home's your home, and ministry's ministry, and you keep the two separate. No one ever comes over your house. Well, when we started, we were a Cambodian church, and they didn't have that philosophy. And I'm working with the young people, and they just showed up all the time, unannounced, knocking on the door, and you open the door, they don't ask to come in, they come in. We had a young man in our church. He, we had a basketball league for our, 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 our uh, neighborhood, and he came and joined one of the basketball teams. We preached the gospel. He got saved, started coming to my Sunday school class. We was going to City College, and he started growing. And it's like, um, and, and there were some things I wanted to talk to him about, but he wasn't spiritually ready for it. Well, what he would do is he had a break in his college classes at night. He'd just come to our house. I never asked him. He just thought, hey, Myers house, let's go. And I remember one time he came over, like, oh, I got an hour and a half break. So we're sitting at the table, I got him something to eat, and we're just talking. And uh, we're talking about some spiritual things. And he said this. He said, you know, my girlfriend, I just don't know if she's good for me. And I thought, he brought it up, not me. Because I thought of her in his life as the plague spiritually. And I said, you know, since you brought that up, and I talked to him a little bit about the right kind of girl, and I wasn't against her, but she, she was going the wrong direction. And he said, you know what? She's not the right one. And he gave her up. Married one of our good girls. That's our missionary, uh, Kumali Tongdi. I mean, it just, you gotta, you gotta be willing. Look, sometimes we have opportunities as we're spending time with people. Sometimes, you know what people need? They, they need invitations just to come to your house. Sometimes take them out to eat. Spend time with new people. I, I can tell you people that, that their marriages were planned over a, 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 a table at a restaurant. Not that I'm, that I come in like, hey, you know, we've been coming to church and, you know, I know we live together and, and, and this is starting to bother us. And I'm like, well, let me help you. Yeah, what should we do? Tomorrow, you go down to the city hall and get a marriage license. We'll help you with this. But listen to me. Sometimes they won't listen to us when we say these kind of things because we've never spent a minute with them. And I understand people should listen to the preaching. But do you understand a lot of times they're listening to the preaching and it's starting to twirl in their heart and they just need us to come up beside them and say, how's everything going? Hey, you know, I've been thinking, I've been hearing this. It's like, let me help you. But you got to be selfless. It's a life of sharing. He shared, he took this opportunity, and this is easy and I won't spend much time on it. He took the opportunity there in verse 6 to explain to him about Jesus Christ. And we understand that. The people that we meet, the first things that they need, the first thing that they need is the Lord Jesus Christ. Don't be happy with people just attending the church and coming. Get to know them. Find out. First thing we find out. So, are you saved? Do you know the Lord Jesus Christ? Verse 7. I like this. It's a life of strengthening. Amen. Acts chapter 3, verse 7. And he took him by the right hand and lifted him up. And immediately his feet and ankle bones 
receive strength. Did you notice that? The name of Jesus Christ, rise up and walk, and then he grabbed his hand and pulled him up, and he was healed. That guy never walked in his life. And the Lord was going to heal him, but he's there to say, let me, let me help you up so you can do this. Do we know that the Lord can change someone's life? Do we know that God can transform somebody? But do we also know it takes time? Do we also know that sometimes they need someone to stand there and help them? I remember as I walked into the church as an 18-year-old. I was high school age, but I dropped out. I wasn't in the youth group. They had a college and career group. I wasn't them yet, so I wasn't in that group. I was just there. And thankfully for me, there were a few men in the church that noticed me and took an interest in me. Our assistant pastor, Dave Sisson, I remember he saw that and he started talking to me. He's like, hey, yeah, yeah. and he knew I liked basketball. He'd come shoot baskets with me after church. Why? Not that he wanted to shoot baskets. He just wanted to take that time to encourage me. Remember, I'd go back to the bookstore and they had tapes back then. Remember those days? That really dates you if you know those. You know, and I'd buy the cassette tapes, and this guy noticed that I was new, and I'd buy the tapes. His name was Greg Beard, and he sat there and talked to me and said, hey, you're, you're new here. And he's like, hey, you know what? Do you, he gave me the, uh, the, the, a book on prayer and said, you ought to read this. Good. You ought to listen to this. Amen. There were people there as I was growing to help me, strengthening. People need us to be open to help them. Mentioned our church before, but, but we, uh, we decided to have, a, 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 when I was growing through this whole process of, hey, I need to spend time with people and actually be personal with them. Uh, we, we had a small building, and so the past, I lived two blocks away in an apartment, and the pastor said, why don't you have Sunday school in your apartment? And I had just taken over the singles class, and we had like a handful of people, and I'm like, oh, we'll start meeting my Sunday school in my, my, uh, uh, my apartment. They like that. Because, you know, we had eight or nine when we started. A month later, a month and a half later, I'd come out of my bedroom, and there's 30 of them, 45 minutes before Sunday school, eating my breakfast, reading my newspaper. That's back when newspapers were a thing. And just hanging out. And then they started thinking, hey, Monday night's just like Sunday. Remember one time we had a barbecue on the patio, my wife's barbecuing. Next thing you know, here come two of them. Like, what are you doing? Like, I don't know. Just came by to say hi. Next thing you know, we had eight or nine. It's like, what, are we sending up smoke signals? But that's what they needed. Sometimes we need to help. I love that story about the men where they have the man on the stretcher and he needed to be healed. And so they come, these, I think it was four of them, they come and get them and they take them to the house where Jesus is and the place is packed and they can't get in and they're like, we're going through the roof. And they go to the roof, and you imagine Jesus is teaching, and all of a sudden, here comes this guy, dropped right in front of him. You know what the Bible says about when Jesus healed them? It says, and when he saw their faith. Whose faith is that? The faith of the guys that brought him. The faith of the guys, and I don't know. The guy in the thing, maybe he had faith. But I know this, the guys that carried him had enough faith in the fact that Jesus Christ could do something in his life, that they were willing to go out of their way to take him there. Strengthening. We need to be there to help people. We need to be there to be a blessing. And I know sometimes we get in our Sunday school classes and you look like I only have a handful of students. What an opportunity. 
amongst those one, two, three, four, or five might be one that's really going to get it, that's really going to be used of God. But they need a teacher to encourage them. They need a teacher that'll be a part of their life. And then verse number 12, it's also a a life of seeking. So as this man is healed and he's running around and he's joyful and all these people are seeing it, and they're like, hey, that's the guy that couldn't walk. What, what, What happened here? And this crowd starts to gather. And in verse 12, and when Peter saw it, he answered unto the people, You know what Peter said? Opportunity. Look at all these people coming. Let's preach to them. Let's give them the gospel. You know, I wonder how many opportunities we lose because we we simply don't have our eyes open to them. You know, we have this guy, our, our, our folks will know it. We have this guy, before COVID, he was coming to my Sunday school class in a wheelchair. His name was Kevin. Uh, there's several facilities within three or four blocks of our, a part of, of our church. And, and this Kevin guy was coming. He was in an electric wheelchair. After the whole COVID thing, when we started back up, it took a while before the facility would let him out. And so Kevin comes back. And I wasn't teaching the class. My son-in-law took it over for me. And, and he's coming. And, um, and he, he, he kept telling us. He said, hey, you need, to go start a, you need to go start a service over there on Saturday for the other people. And we were like, you know, we'll think about it, Kevin. And then finally, Kevin brought someone to church with him, Israel. They both had their little electric, you know, and sometimes I'm coming to church and I see them going down. It's dangerous. They're going over train tracks and, and they're, they're, they're driving their little things. And then I remember one Sunday I'm coming. Here's Kevin. Here's, 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 here's Israel in their electric wheelchairs. And here's a lady in a regular wheelchair. And she's holding on to the electric wheelchair. And I'm thinking, man, she is going to get knocked over that train track. But they brought her to church. Next thing you know, my my son-in-law calls over there. We start having a service. More of them are coming. And now we're in, I think, nine homes. You come to our church. You look at the back wall. There's anywhere from 10 to 15 people in wheelchairs. Some of them even go to our Spanish department. We're in nine different homes. You know why? Because that one guy, Kevin, sensed an opportunity and said, why don't you guys come start a service here? We had to go via a wheelchair van. Our teenagers will walk over there and push people. We'll put them in a wheelchair van. Come to all the services. Why? Because one person saw an opportunity. And fortunately, he pushed us in that direction to reach more individuals. And then secondly, and I'll, I'll be done, that was, that was about our life and the possibility of your life. Because Peter didn't just focus on Pentecost opportunities, was willing to take the temple opportunity, other opportunities were presented. Verse 14, when Peter saw it again, he answered unto the people, you men of Israel, why marvel you at this? Or why look you so earnestly on us that, through by our own, that as through by our own power or holiness, we made this man to walk? Look at verse chapter 4, the, few, the first few verses there and see what happens. And as they spake unto the people, the priests and the captains of the temple and the Sadducees came upon them. There's always people that aren't going to be happy. Being grieved that they taught the people and preached through Jesus the resurrection from the dead. And they laid hands on them and put hold on them for the next day, for it was now eventide. 
How be it, many of them which heard the word believed, and the number of men was about 5,000. Pentecost 2. One guy. Here's the point. Our world is filled with people that don't have hope. Our world is filled with individuals. And let's not get so caught up in trying to reach a crowd that we neglect the individuals. They're everywhere. And let me ask you this, and we'll be done. Who is God going to use you to encourage? See, sometimes we think, well, that's the pastor's job. It is, because he's a Christian. Well, that's the staff's job. It is, because they're Christians. But I'm not a staff. I'm not. I know, it's your job. You know God could use you to help somebody? God could use you to connect with somebody. You know, we tell people, you know, you come into the church and you start following God, there's, there is. There are some things, when I came into the church, there were things like, I have to stop, I had to give that up, and this is detrimental to my Christian life. And one of the things I needed was a new set of friends. And it took a few months, but I got some. I had some people that said, hey, let me step up. They weren't my Sunday school teacher. They were just people in the church that took an interest in me spiritually. Who's in your church that you can take an interest in? Who's in church that you can be a blessing to? Who's in the church that you could bring over to your house? You could take out to eat. You could talk to about the things of God. All of us like Pentecost. It's fabulous. But what about the temple? Yeah, Pentecost, they all got saved. They all got baptized. They all joined the church. That's fantastic. But there was one man that couldn't even walk. And he was just as important. And if you're open, you'd be surprised how God will use you to encourage somebody. God will use you to reach somebody in this world. Let's bow our head and close our eyes, if we may, for just a minute.